everyone. We wanted to tell you about a new show we are loving, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. It's a show about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds you. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? Is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter, the Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. Who's talking now? Your voices are very similar. Who's talking now? Your voices are very similar. They're very similar. Sometimes I can't tell who's talking when I listen. It happens. <laughs> it happened to me. And I was like, oh, oh God. Text me back. Text me back. Text me back at once. Why won't you text me back? Text. Text me back. Text me back, back. Megan. to Text Me Back, a podcast about best friendship, the most conspiratorial animals, and the most mysterious people. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. Today on the show, get ready because it's conspiracies and mysteries, which is funny because I actually hate mysteries, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing, you know when you're like listening to a true crime podcast and you get halfway through and then you realize like 30 minutes in that the crime has not actually been solved and the host is seeking your help to solve it. I, it, I become incandescent. It's unbelievable. Death penalty. I just that I don't believe in that. I, but I maybe. oppose. However, <laughs> if you're going to bring me a case, that shit better be solved. Otherwise it's curtains. Yeah, man. People always be like, Oh, Lindy, you like forensic files. Have you watched unsolved mysteries? No, no. I like solved mysteries. That's what Forensic Files is about. They solve the mystery every time. Get out of here, Robert Stack. Anyway, uh, oh, he left. (laughs) So today on the show, we're going to be talking about conspiracies and mysteries. Today's show, I promise you, is about totally inconsequential conspiracy theories and mysteries that will not in any way undermine our democracy or threaten our future as a species. They are more fun and less deadly. It's true. We're going to talk about a killer whose name rhymes with killer. And speaking of hating unsolved mysteries, with the help of the Text Me Bacolites, we're solving a mystery that's been plaguing us and only us for more than two decades We've solved it, kids. But first, we got tidings with authentic conspiracy and mystery and Cool Ranch flavor. It's conspiracy nachos. Okay, I know I just said that the conspiracies and mysteries we're talking about are mostly of the petty and hilarious variety, but we are kind of living through a dark period for conspiracies in our nation's (laughs) history. Like just last week, was the third anniversary of January 6th. So we're not going to be talking about criminal conspiracies here today as real and scary as they are, because those conspiracies are not fun. They're devastating. And also those conspiracies are never ending. It's like people who participated in January 6th are also now themselves the subject of conspiracies. Like for a while, it was like, well, everybody who raided the Capitol were were actually all Antifa. 
And then a bunch of MAGA guys had to be like, no, I'm not Antifa. I'm MAGA. I want credit for the thing (laughs) that I did. And it's like, at the end of the day, that was a criminal conspiracy perpetrated by the president of the United States, his staff, and allegedly the wife of a Supreme Court justice. That's not fun. And we don't joke about that. And And allegedly, allegedly, my side piece, Mark Meadows. (laughs) Hey, boo. Still waiting for your text. No, no, Megan. No, we're not joking about that. (laughs) Today's conspiracies are for silly gooses. And you're the chief silly goose. That is true. Honk. (laughs) Lindy, I want to know what conspiracy slash mystery is weighing on your beautiful mind. Yeah, my brain capital got stormed by (laughs) by a... Instagram reel. So, okay, first of all, this is a conspiracy. You know how, like, ocean TikTok is taking over the North Sea, the most dangerous sea, and then it's like, plays that same song every time where it's like, yo ho. (laughs) First of all, I don't know who's behind that. It's all the same, like, eight clips of a big wave. Which I love, but it's the kind of thing where I'm like, man, I've been searching for videos of big waves on YouTube for 20 years. And now Gen Z thinks it invented North Sea TikTok. Okay. You're an ocean hipster. Like, of course, I will watch all of them. So now my algorithm is a lot of ocean content. And so I was served this video that was like, strange creature captured on deep sea camera. And... I was like, sure, let's see it. Can't surprise me. But I had not seen this before. It sort of looks like a blob with two eyeballs. It could very easily just be like an animation or something. Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? So I click on the caption and the caption is like, some believe that this is the Japanese folkloric cryptid known as the Ningen. And I was like, okay, what's that? Okay, I know you love a cryptid. I do love a cryptid, Megan. Well, I love and I hate a cryptid because it's like so much potential. And then also, you know, it's not real. (laughs) If it's like the people from this town in Wisconsin all say that there's like (laughs) an evil bird that like jumps out in front of your car. I don't know. That just seems like some drunk guys. But if it's like, oh, for thousands of years, the people of Japan have been seeing the Ningen which is a white blob with two little black eyes on the bottom of the ocean floor, then I'm willing to give it a shot. You know, the photo, the image of it is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. He sent it to me and he is so cute. He is so cute. (laughs) He is a, it looks like a beluga whale that is just a, the head of a beluga whale that just goes straight into a pair of legs. (laughs) So I'm getting excited. (laughs) I'm like, what if this is the one that's the promise of cryptids? It's like, some of yeah. them might be real. Yeah. So maybe this is the one, yeah. you know, like I mm-hmm. live in Bigfoot territory. I don't sure. think it's out there, which I shouldn't say. Now I'm just inviting it in. But anyway, I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> the Ningen is the one. Then I read. Yeah. And it says, first of all, very promising. The page is called Ningen parentheses folklore. Mm-hmm. Great. Love it. Folklore. Then it says, In modern Japanese folklore since the mid-2000s, 
The Ningen is an aquatic humanoid whale-like creature supposedly inhabiting the sub-Antarctic oceans. It was invented by Japanese internet users in 2007. Okay, well, don't ever tell me that this is thought to be this cryptid and then have it have been made up by a boy on the internet in 2007. How dare you? It's it's not okay. Like anyone could do that. I know. You know. I we could be making up a folkloric cryptid right now, but we're not because we're not sociopaths. But we are, and we will. But we are <laughs> in a <laughs> future <will>. episode. Actually, <laughs> yes, Liddy, that's so annoying. I'm sorry. It just made me really mad. Like it was like the highs and lows of this journey that I went on were really destabilizing. Oh so, man. Anyway, I hate that for you. I'm sorry. What to you this week, Megan? What's your conspiratorial tiding? I think I've uncovered a conspiracy. Oh my God. Okay. I'm fairly certain that I have. Well, as you know, and as listeners of this podcast know, I'm never logging off. I'm on TikTok 23, 24 hours a day. I'm scrolling. I've seen every video. This thing is happening on TikTok where there's sort of like intergenerational hostilities that are bubbling up on TikTok and other video platforms, I assume, between Gen Z, which are people born between roughly 1997 and 2012. Mm -hmm. Like me. Just like you. And millennials who were born between roughly 1981 and 1996. Like you. And a lot of it is over very stupid stuff like, oh, the kids are bringing back mom jeans. No, they're not. They're getting rid of mom jeans. They're bringing back low-rise jeans, which we are allowed to be mad about because (laughs) we have PTSD. We've already lived through that and nobody liked it except for maybe Paris Hilton. And then, of course, the millennials, because we're all afraid of dying and becoming irrelevant, are like, no, don't bring back the mom jeans. We already did that. Ah!" It's like there's dumb feuds that are cropping up. And I don't know. This just strikes me as like inauthentic. Maybe Mm. some of these reactions are legitimate. Yeah, it does feel like it's like bait because millennials cannot handle it. And we're so reactionary. We can't be roasted under any circumstance that we hate it a lot. Right. So I just started to think about it. And and then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, so look, there are some reasons why this is kind of a new phenomenon. And that's partly because there's not really been a situation where two different generations have coexisted in the same platform in quite this way, right? I happen to see a lot more Gen Z stuff than I would see if we were living in a pre-TikTok time. So maybe that's part of it. Sure. Okay. But then I was like, no, but there are straight up some people making videos (laughs) that cannot be real. I am convinced (laughs) that there is a PSYOP going on on TikTok and all the social media platforms perpetrated by the CIA, the highest levels of our government, to drive a wedge between millennials and Gen Zers to make us hate each other because we would be too powerful if we joined together as a single political cohort. I am convinced of this. And here's why. One is there's lots of evidence for this sort of thing happening in the past. Like if you look at the Look at the history of any movement. Let's take the labor movement. This is just one example. Very frequently, white capitalist bosses would be like, no, 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 don't join a union with black workers or workers of color. You have more in common with us, the white factory owners, than you do with them. And it worked. They use these very explicit racist overtures to undermine worker power. And it was pretty effective for for parts of the labor movement anyway. And so now I'm like, now once you know that, you see it everywhere. 
your just so I understand, your contention is yes. that some sort of cabal yes. of Gen Xers and boomers yes. are paying yes. embarrassing people yes. to make cringy videos yes. so that Gen Z will make roast videos. And then we will be alienated from one another. Yes. Because our power, our combined power would be too formidable. Yes. Now you're getting it. You're finally, Lindy, your third eye <laughs> has opened. Yeah. Now you get it. Now you get it. <laughs> that was me squeegeeing my third eye. <laughs> and he, just to give a little bit more evidence to this theory. Okay. Yeah. There's what this one woman in particular who... There's no other explanation <laughs> for her existence on TikTok and Instagram than that the CIA put her there. To annoy Gen Z. Her name? Oh, I'm really sorry. Okay, before I say, she is very nice. She's a nurse. I'm sure she is an angel. Her name is absolutely Lisa. Do you know what I found? You can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And her videos are like her, she found pumpkin spice cream cheese and and now she's eating it. She's nom nom nomming it. And if you look at the comments of this video, easily 80 to 90% of the comments are all hate comments. So the question is, why does she do it? Why does she make these videos that seemingly everyone hates? It's so funny because she dominates my algorithm. Mm -hmm. It's it's her and the North Sea, yo-ho. And it's probably because her content works. Every time she comes up in my feed, I forward it to someone to ruin their day. Yep. (laughs) The someone is me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because there's something like totally fascinating about her energy. She doesn't seem to engage with her followers at all. And maybe what she has done is cracked the algorithm. She's figured out that like the only thing that matters is getting people to click on your video and forward it to other people, even if they're forwarding it to be like, oh my God, what is she doing? Get your coin, Lisa. (sighs) So I don't know if there's like a specific Gen Zer who's kind of the same as absolutely Lisa, who's like specifically making content to make people angry. But there are a lot of videos from different creators that are like, oh, I'm 15 and I don't know how to open a cassette tape. Like, it'll be like a 90 second long video of a child, not a child, a teenager who quote unquote doesn't know how to open a tape. And it's like, no, (laughs) no, you don't know how to open a tape. Stop lying. Or like, I can't get the CD out of the case. Like, no, you liars. I just, this can't, it can't be real. And so basically what I'm getting at here is Gen Z and millennials have a lot more in common than we don't. We are closer together economically than either generation is to boomers or Gen X. We're closer together probably politically (laughs) to boomers or Gen X. And I think- And culturally. Yeah, and culturally too. So I just really feel- like this started out as a joke, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm onto something. It's too scary to the people in power to have this huge cohort of people because there's more of us than there are of them to be in league with each other in a way that could subvert dominant power systems. And I think one way, I, one way to do that is to go where people are, which is on social media, and try to create those divisions. It's happened in American history before, and I think 
Absolutely, Lisa. Works for Raytheon. I don't know. What's the counter argument? Why would it not be true? Of course it's true. Of course it's true. <laughs> who cares what jeans 40-year-olds wear? Who cares? <laughs> Shut up. Who cares? Stop lying. You don't care. Well, Megan, I think you're right. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I know I am. And if something happens to me, it was Raytheon. <laughs> Someone give Megan a book deal to write about this, please. Coming up, we're talking about the killer. He could be anywhere, including maybe outside my window right now. Megan, what do I do? Clock one time with the killer. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as, number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you, KUOW listeners, want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast. It is time now to discuss one of life's most incredible and enduring mysteries, <laughs> and it's the killer. Some mystery man or woman, I don't know, who was brought to life, let's say, by talk show host <laughs> Wendy Williams, who has this preoccupation with getting got by a nameless, faceless killer. As sharks are to Donald Trump, so is the killer to Wendy Williams. Exactly. Regular scarves have the ends where the killer right. can come and just finish you off. I don't want to play music in the shower because I want to hear if the killer is coming. Don't you keep a bat from Yankee Stadium in your night table drawer? They're so convenient. All, all you have to do clunk one time with the killer. I've been aware of the killer since birth. Now, I, I hear that you don't, you think people are always going to come and get you. No, the killer. I mean, even Wendy says, I've known about the killer since I was born. And I really, I kind of feel like that's right. Basically, I think everyone, even if you don't know what the killer is, you know what the killer is, especially if you are a woman or you're a member of a marginalized group who has to have like spidey senses tingling at all times for danger. You're yeah. a little bit on alert for the killer wherever you go. And <laughs> yeah. Wendy just put a name to it. And I feel like people love to make fun of Wendy Williams for yeah. being afraid of the killer. But Wendelin, you've hit on something important and relatable. You know, the killer actually, might be the cryptid that I crave. Mysterious, spooky, deep lore, Part and animal. potentially real. Yeah. Part animal, we don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Megan, uh, you and I have both famously had run-ins, very close calls with yeah. the killer. Mm -hmm. So let's walk through those. Yeah. For me, my most bone-chilling encounter with the killer is, uh, as I've said, I live in the woods and I rent this property from my mother. It's a cabin that my parents bought when I was a baby. So I grew up coming out here, but no one's ever lived here full time and it needs a lot of upkeep. So it helps to have people here all the time. Seattle's very expensive, blah, 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 blah. It's a win-win. So I'm out here full time. But a couple years ago, before I was living here full time, I had a little birthday party out here with, I don't know, six or seven friends. And 
it's very remote. Mm-hmm. Like it's a dirt road. It's a dead end. You wouldn't accidentally find it on your way right. to something else. No. And so we also have a little tiny, cute little guest cottage that's, I don't know, a few hundred yards from the house set back in the woods. And so my friends, Jen and Dave are staying in the little cottage. 7 a.m. Jen is sound asleep. I think she slept through the whole thing. Dave's awake. Someone knocks on Ugh. the door. No. 7 a.m. No. Middle of the woods. Someone knocks on their door. Dave is the nicest man in the world. He answers the door. Standing there is a man, <laughs> maybe a little bit of a scruffy man, mm-hmm. who has a tattoo mm-hmm. on his face All right. of clown makeup Uh, (laughs) clown makeup tattooed on his face and he says are you dennis miller (laughs) the comedian Of course, the 90s <laughs> SNL <laughs> cast member who then had slowly spiraled into being a neocon and Trump supporter. I think it must have been a different Dennis Miller. He says, uh, are you Dennis Miller? Dave's like, no. And Dave's so nice. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> a traveler in trouble. And Dave's like, there's nobody here by that name. Uh, Can I help you with anything? And the guy's like, I just really need to find Dennis Miller. He put this as his address. (gasps) Except actually it was like a slightly different address that doesn't exist. So I think Dennis Miller gave this guy a fake address. He gave him the slip. To give him the slip. I would if a man (laughs) with tattooed clown makeup was looking for me. I'd be be like, I live at 1234 road street house house avenue house boulevard (laughs) see ya yeah and so dave said the man sort of awkwardly stayed and like asked him over and over whether he was dennis miller until he finally was like okay well bye and then he left and so then they come into the house like four hours later for breakfast and dave's like do you guys have a neighbor named like dennis miller or so, uh, do, you, do you know anyone named Dennis Miller? I was like, like the comedian? <laughs> and then he told us that story. He's like, yeah, I got a guy with clown makeup tattooed on his face knocked on the door at 7 a.m. asking for Dennis Miller. And we were like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? Men are so unfazed by the killer. Not only was the man who came to the cabin door the killer, the person he was looking for was the killer. Dennis Miller's the killer. He was the killer. And Dave was like, what a delight. No, I don't have any concerns with any of this. Unbelievable. The morning dew brought with it a special friend. A new friend for me, Dave. Would you like like to come in for a cuppa? My God. (laughs) And then I I sent an email to the community email list. And then other people were like, oh, yeah, that a guy came to my house looking for Dennis Miller. because everyone out here is 100 years old people were like i have been doing tattoo research and i believe that ms13 might use a tattoo like that <laughs> that sounds like something dennis miller comedian would say <laughs> you guys i don't think that that guy looking for dennis miller is using his clown face tattoo to signal that he's in ms13 no. he's using it to signal that he loves monster energy drink yeah don't worry about it well do worry about I it do but not for the reason why you think but not for ms13 reasons though <laughs> no. my run-in with the killer actually also involves your house <laughs> so 
I don't know why the killer is so fascinated with you and your homes. Oh my um, god! This happened in high school. Sorry to Ingrid, your mom, but your parents were gone, and you were having a little party, and it just like all high school parties, more people came than probably were invited or should have. And y- your house in high school at the time was right on the Burke Gilman Trail. Like the Burke Gilman Trail, you could walk out to it from your back patio. And you know, Burke Gilman Trail, public trail, highway for the killer. <laughs> Absolute killer interstate. <laughs> Don't recommend. <laughs> anyway, so for some reason I was outside. I have no idea why. I'm not saying I was engaging in underage drinking, but I'm not not saying that. But anyways, I was outside and I was by myself. It might have just been that stage in underage drinking where you just are wandering. I was just, you know, seeing what all was going on. So I was in your back. What's this? What's happening? So um, I went out onto your back patio, sober as a judge, of course, and clear as a whistle, I hear someone from the Bergman Trail go, Hello, young man. Windy. <laughs> oh, I whipped around and went, ran back inside. And I was like, someone's trying to kidnap me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I think it might have been, I think it might have been Tyler, the wizard that we had on to talk to us about <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Tyler came out there with me and we were searching. We were literally parting yeah. the hedge <laughs> to see if we could find the killer. <laughs> And there was nobody out there. And everyone was just like, oh, Megan, you're drunk. And I was like, I know what I heard. I was like, alcohol doesn't cause auditory hallucinations. The killer was out there. And again, that became stuck in our minds for all of time. Hello, young man. Hello, young man. Stuck in our minds, but for a different reason. I think that we've always believed on some level that we could solve the mystery of hello, young man, you know? Yeah. Well, I I think at first I thought it was somebody from the party. I was like, who was out there? Well, who else was out there? And it was no one. No one else had been out there. Um, Listen, if you were walking on the Burke Gilman Trail between (laughs) (laughs) February of 2000 and like September of 2000, and you said hello, young man, to a sad, weird 17-year-old who had too many Mike's Hard Lemonades. Show yourself. Show yourself. <laughs> to this day, I'm too scared to go over there. I will not walk on the brick on the trail, even in the daytime, because I think that's where the killer is located. And, you know, we did pretty well, not not to spoil alert, but uh, we did pretty well with our big and hairy mystery. So if you guys can solve the mystery of who said hello, young man, to Megan on that dark, dark night. You could win a big prize. If you find out who said hello, young man, to me on the Berkman Trail, we will send you a single serving of Hormel chili, which is what I <laughs> stole out of Wendy's cupboard later that night and immediately spilled all over her mother's white rug. Look, you needed that chili to regulate your emotions after your trauma. It's okay. I know my, my adrenaline was through the roof. You know, I could have crashed really hard. I needed some protein, man. Yeah. Do you have a run-in with the killer that you would like to share with the Text Me Back podcast crew? That's Lindy and me, two people obsessed with the killer. Then please text us. Join our BFF club. You can text BFF to 206-926-9955. That's 206-926-9955. All killer-related stories. Welcome. After the break... We solve a mystery with help 
of Text Me Back listeners. That's you. At SoundSide, we bring you news and conversation rooted in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm Libby Denkman. I think of my job hosting SoundSide as number one, asking tough questions of powerful people, the questions you KUOW listeners want answered. And two, bringing you a daily slice of the fascinating, confounding, and often goofy side of life in Washington State. Join me for SoundSide at noon and 8 p.m. on KUOW or anytime on the SoundSide podcast. As we've mentioned over and over on this podcast episode, we love a solved mystery. (laughs) And it's so rare that you get to solve your own mysteries because mysteries are by nature mysterious. But we managed it, Megan, thanks to the power of this podcast. The immense, incredible, unmatched power of the Text Me Back Lights has brought to bear the answer to one of our life's great mysteries. Yep, that's been plaguing us since we were not even 20 years old yet. We talked about it a few episodes back. If you haven't heard the segment, Megan and I talked about a sacred VHS that we purchased when we were in high school. It's a movie called Big and Hairy. It's from 1998. And there is a line in the movie that we could not decipher. We were certain as certain as i've ever been of anything that this boy said i saw a bear rowing a dinghy he was all hunched over the oars like a dog grooming a peach pit and it's been driving us mad for 20 years this movie big and hairy by the way get your minds out of the gutter it's a movie about a sasquatch and his best friend a human child in the seventh grade or something and they play middle school basketball yeah and they win the championship and Thanks to the raw power of the Sasquatch (laughs) being nine feet tall. It turns out this whole movie is on YouTube, which, again, strikes me. I don't know. What about the royalties? What about the Sasquatch's royalties? It doesn't seem right. Yeah. What about art? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the YouTube version does have captions that are sort of like auto-generated. And the captions on the YouTube thing say, all hunched over the oars like a dog pooping a peach pit. And then once you have that in your mind, it's sort of like a Yanny Laurel situation where you're like, is mm. he saying pooping? But that doesn't actually solve the mystery because what does that mean? <laughs> Why would right. a dog be pooping a peach pit? That doesn't actually solve the mystery. So we put it to you, our beloved listeners, to solve this mystery for us. I want to caveat really quick. You hit the nail on the head, Megan. When you have the closed captions planting the seed in your mind – that yeah. it's pooping. Yeah. It's going to sound like pooping. And I feel like a lot of our <laughs> responses were very condescending. To that, I say, you weren't there watching it on VHS. You didn't have a 13-inch television with a built-in VCR <laughs> that with the tiniest little speaker you ever saw in your life trying yeah. to decipher this mystery. But here's what the text club... By the way, thank you for responding. I love our text club. Me too. Uh, and it was pretty unanimous, Lindy. Almost everyone was like, guys, he's saying pooping. He's all bent over like a dog pooping a peach pit. Why would you say grooming? You're an idiot. Lisa emailed us at textmeback at kow.org and said, like a dog pooping a peach pit, 
I don't know. I'm from Australia and we say wacky things like this all the time. <laughs> okay, but do you say that specific wacky thing? Is it a saying? Okay, Alice emailed us. Sorry to break it to you. Dogs hunch when they poop. Alice, why the tone? Tony Award for Alice. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, okay, but this next response I actually really liked because it involves like the etymology <laughs> and some research. So Alexis did the research. Here's what they found. To pass peach seeds is a more polite version of a country expression to shit peach pits. <laughs> Since peach pits are large, hard, and sharp at each end, passing them through one's anus. Wow. <laughs> Alexis, thank you. <laughs> Through one's anus would be exceedingly painful and would likely cause some damage. <laughs> okay, we're going to leave it there, Alexis. Basically, <laughs> what I love about this is that you've given me, Alexis, some sort of source. It's a weird thing that Southerners say. It doesn't make sense. And that, to me, is helpful. It's like, yeah, okay. It's just a weird saying. Sure. It does not solve the mystery of why screenwriter Brian Daly used this very strange and hyper-regional turn of phrase that no one has heard of. <laughs> Is the movie even set in the South? Hang on I one moment. So. I thought it was set I in think- like Maine or something. I don't remember it being set in the South. I'll just say that. I don't remember that either. But here's what I will say. Once again, I just want to thank everyone for writing in. I feel like the mystery is solved. Another really great response was another vote for pooping a peach bit. Not for doing it, but that's what I think the young boy is saying, due to the fact it would be extremely hard to poop a peach pit, so he'd be so hunched over. But I have reached out to screenwriter Brian Daly for confirmation and explanation. Now, there's a nugget. That person needs to write us back and let us know what he says, because this is on you now, Brian. This is on you. Balls in your court, Bri Bri. I'm actually going to interrupt you because uh, screenwriter Brian Daly did give us a little bit more information than that. I'm sorry. We just got word in our earpiece from producer Jeannie. Whoa, this is huge breaking news at the Text Me Back podcast. We have gotten a response from screenwriter Brian Daly. Jeannie, roll that beautiful bean footage. Hi, everybody at Text Me Back and all the listeners. This is Brian Daly. I'm the screenwriter of Big and Hairy. And I'm here to give you the long-sought answer to the case of the mystery word. I'll read a little bit from page nine of the shooting script of Big and Harry. Dexter says, I don't know, but he was doing it, rowing, hunched right over the oars, just like a dog pooping a peach pit. There it is. Pooping. It's pooping. Now, you asked me if I had heard somebody say that phrase or if I made it up. And it's funny, my wife asked me the same question. And I had heard somebody describe a person as looking like a dog having intimate relations with a football. But I don't remember anybody (laughs) saying a dog poop in a peach pit. So I will take credit for it. Okay, there's your answer. Bye-bye. like I'm aging in reverse. Oh my God. Oh my God. The fact he takes credit for inventing the phrase is amazing. 
Which, Amazing. by the way, opens up, a, opens up a whole new mystery because we had a counterpoint from Alexis who claims it's an old Southern phrase. Oh, my God. Maybe everyone's grandpappy heard it from screenwriter Brian Daly. Oh, my God. This is the best day of my life. You know? Because here's what I'm here's what I want to say. There was a part of me, and actually we talked about this over text. There was a part of me that didn't really want yeah. this mystery to be solved because it's we've thought about it for so long. It's such a core this mystery is such a core piece of our friendship. And I was like, what happens when we know? But the way we found out, so phenomenal. I wouldn't trade this for anything. I wouldn't trade this for anything. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before in my life. It's so magical. I don't have kids, but I imagine this is what it's like when you meet your baby for the first time. You know? <laughs> Just a magical love that cannot be described. Yeah. An overwhelming, unconditional love. Unconditional love. Yeah. And you you look your baby in the eyes and you say, welcome to the world, Brian Daly. <laughs> welcome to the world, screenwriter Brian Daly Jr. Brian Daly, you are a king. A king. Yep. And we love Number you. One. And thank you for bringing so much joy into our lives. Because that movie is funny as hell. And I thank you for that. <laughs> I thank you. There's nothing in the rule book that says Brian Daly can't get a B- Lifetime Achievement Award Oscar. A Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yes. There's nothing in the rule book that says screenwriter Brian Daly can't become the new host of Unsolved Mysteries. Because <gasps> he did it. He solved it. He did it. You take that, Dennis Farina, from the years 2008 to 2010, and you take that, Robert Stack, because Brian Daly is actually doing the work. Megan, I am, like, weak from the catharsis of hearing from screenwriter Brian Daly and solving that mystery that's been weighing on us for 20 years. There is a part of me that kind of wants to pack it in, because, like... What more can we possibly accomplish with this podcast? You know what I mean? Well, we can't pack it in yet because someone's going to call up and tell us who was in the bushes. Oh, that's right. So I guess we'll have to make another episode (laughs) until every single Lindy Megan friendship mystery is solved. The podcast continues. So next week, what are we talking about? Next week is our versus episode. We are pitting beloved items against other items. Yep. Such as orcas versus humpbacks. You know where I stand. But I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to tune in to find out. Cliffhanger. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice versus the Keira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. And we're bringing in our top three duels. Ooh, I can't wait for that. I have some good ones. That's all next week on our versus episode. Tune in, please. 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 (laughs) Goodbye, young man. Thank you so much for listening to Text Me Back. If you like the show, please tell your best friend about us and rate and review us. It helps people find the show and we are addicted to accolades. Text Me Back is a production of KUOW in Seattle, a proud member of the NPR Network. Our editor is Jeannie Yandel. Our senior producer is Brandy Fullwood. 
Our mixer is Jason Burroughs. Diana Bowen makes our video clips. They are delightful, and I don't just say that because I'm in them. Go enjoy them at Text Me Back Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Alicia Villa, Hans Twite, Brendan Sweetie, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Ahamefile J. Oluo. Special thanks to our perfect angel, Isolde Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher-Mays. See you next week. Bye.